On today's show, how the Bradley Beal trade and the Donovan Mitchell trade compare or don't compare, plus the draft track record of Kobe Altman. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. That's Prize Picks, and the promo code is locked on. I'm Chris Manning. I cover the Cavs and the NBA for places like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, and I co host the Just Basketball Show. That man over there is Evan Damerel, the founder, the proprietor of Right Down Euclid. He is currently angling his face with a hand motion. That implies that he is looking at something that is confusing him cur- on the internet. curious. Um, we're going to talk about the draft in the final segment. There's a name that popped up, and I was like, well, what's he up to these days? And I clicked on it, and I was just kind of reading his bio. I'm very Jerome Robinson. Uh, it's just like the Clippers took him 14th overall, and I'm like, oh, I forgot about him. And then I clicked on his name. It's like, oh, he's yeah. in the G League. Yeah, not good. All right, uh, Jake Stevens, as always, is producing. Evan, Bradley Beal is now a Phoenix Sun and and this is is an excuse for us to kind of talk about these different trades. The the Beal trade is them going all in, but they paid a very different price than what Cleveland paid. Obviously, Beal had a no trade clause; he could kind of direct himself there. That is obviously another difference between this and the Donovan Mitchell trade Cleveland made a year ago. I guess I guess do you think of seeing what Beal went for, seeing where Beal is at, and I think Mitchell also is is just frankly a, a much better player than this version of Beal at 30. Do, do you have any thoughts about how these two trades compare or, or don't compare? Well, it certainly screams the fact that Matashiba does take this rivalry at Dan Gilbert personally because he too had well, to go not, get a superstar shooting Dan, guard. Yeah, but well, what, what's Dan go, what, what's Dan going to do? Like, what's no. what's the what's the next move in the in the Rocket Mortgage Michigan State? Mortgage Bros War. Like, what's what's going on now? Do we get a Cavs in any move? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they get into the uh, automotive loan industry and they pop that bubble next. But either way, um, looking at them from the basketball standpoint, obviously, if you just look at the return package, like the Cavs gave up Larry Markkinen, who became an all-star, Colin Sexton, who, despite the knee injury, may be missing some con- not considerable but decent amounts of time uh, this season for Utah, is a pretty solid player. Uh, has the potential to be a starter, like that's six man for the Jazz. Or and then you have Ochai Abaji, who didn't play much to begin the season, and then the Jazz started kind of you know pulling things back uh, and getting ready for the draft lottery. And Abaji looked pretty strong there, but and the Cavs also gave up like just a mammoth amount of picks. Um, and I think the key difference here is Brad Beal had a no trade clause, Donovan Mitchell didn't, and Bradley Beal will probably be the last player ever to get a no trade clause. Sounds like the totally unforeseen happening just because Bradley Beal had full control of the situation when they became publicly known that the Wizards are ready to rebuild and they intended to trade Bradley Beal. They have to approach him and say like, hey, all right, Brad, we're going to move on. We need to hit reset on this entirely. Um, you kind of control your own destiny here. Not kind of. You do control your own destiny here. So what what, what do you, would you like to do? Would you like to go to? Where would you like to go? And based on the reporting, Milwaukee was listed and I don't know if that was just there was much fire behind that smoke, but like the real front runners in this race were either 
the Miami Heat or the Phoenix Suns. And I think Brad made it clear though that he would prefer to go to either of those teams, according to I think Shams Charania. Kevin Durant recruited him quite a bit to Phoenix. Whereas like Jimmy Butler and the Heat just kind of made a push as well. And I think there's always just been an interest for Bradley Beal, who played at college in Gainesville, which is not close to Miami, but it's still in Florida, nevertheless. Uh, maybe there's just like an affinity to spend your 30s uh, in Miami, Florida, which, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> but it then came down to, OK, they have the two destinations. It just became somewhat of a bidding war. But the two teams that Bradley Beal had a preference on were somewhat limited asset wise. It's just the fact that I think Chris Paul's contract doesn't have the extra years on it like Duncan Robinson's did. And then you look at like Kyle Lowry versus Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit's Shamit is a lot more, I would say, movable as a piece, at least compared to like Robinson or just any of those other players in this package. Um, and could be of use to Washington until they kind of just say, keep kind of churning out some of this uh, rotational talent they have. And now the Wizards are having a fire sale. I think a lot of their players even become available. I think Kyle Kuzma is a lot more realistic. We t- I touched on that when um, people were talking well, okay. about that. Like, let's, let's, either way, either let's, way. And then just the grand scope of things on the Beal trade, it's not really an apples to apples thing because it was an open bidding war for Donovan Mitchell. Like t- the Jazz could keep upping the ante and the asking price, whereas Beal said, all right, I have my two spots. Both of these spots are pretty limited asset-wise. And so the Suns had to kind of make uh, – uh, I can't think of an analogy without swearing. So we'll just they try to make the best of a not so great ideal situation when it came to this trade. Whereas the Jazz could just be like, all right, New York, let's see how much we can get from you. And then also negotiate offers on the side like Cleveland until they find something that they actually want as an organization. I think what is different here is that Cleveland has made its all. The Mitchell move was was an all in move, but it's you. It's a move you like kind of willingly give up the capital they did for. The Suns were at this point where I think they already obviously gave up all their capital and all their good young players and and budding superstar players or budding all star players and in, in Mikael Bridges to get KD. That was like the all in ness of that. Mm-hmm. The Beal thing is like the sprinkle on it and like obviously the his contract his age his 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 not making like an all-star team since 2019 like the no trade calls all of that really complicated it the mitchell thing just kind of played out kind of just like okay we they, they lose the way they do mm-hmm. it's kind of expected he's gonna get moved and like the Cavs just kind of seemingly snuck in the back door a little bit to to pull that off whereas like the the Suns thing, it just if you go to the Bartlesine connections between the CEO of the Suns and his dad, who's Beal's agent, to the fact again, the no trade clause, he got to direct where he wants wanted to go. Mm-hmm. That is just these things just obviously play very differently. I, I also just frankly, like even even with the pick differences, even with the amount Cleveland gave up to get Mitchell versus what it costs to get Beal, mm-hmm. I would rather make the Mitchell trade than the Beal trade 10 times out of 10. I I do too. Uh, I'm not... So I like Bradley Beal a lot as a player. I think he makes sense as... He is a star little talent, but I don't know how high his stardom goes, whereas Donovan Mitchell clearly is like the best player on the Cavs, and the Cavs went and got the best player on the... I guess the trade market, not the free agency market last year. And I... I, I like you said, there's a lot of stuff against Brad Beal, whether it's health concerns, availability, just the mammoth size of that contract. I always forget how big that contract is until I would like glance at like NBA team payrolls. I'm just like, well, Brad Beal's making a lot of money. Go get that bag, my man. But 
it's um fascinating i guess just because i think the luxury for cleveland is like they have darius garland who's going to begin his rookie max extension you have donovan mitchell who is making quite a bit of money jared allen is locked in evan mobley will be signed down the line as well whereas phoenix devin booker's locked in um kevin duran is clearly locked in uh brad beal as well and so is deandre ayton like the, the Suns are a team well, aiden, aiden, aiden aiden might be getting moved. aiden well no that's the thing like the the Suns, after acquiring brad the at least right now are so far into the luxury tax threshold that they realistically can't make any moves and they have like next to little next to no depth on their roster right now in order to, to kind of like fix things or just kind of round things out because like Tory Craig is like their most vital free agent right now because they don't have a ton of depth at the four spot or just the wing spot in general after just the flurry of moves they made to get KD and Brad Beal. But like you said, they have to probably move not probably they will move Aiden just because like book KD and Beal obviously aren't going to get moved. So like you have to use Aiden to kind of finesse that to get breathing space financially and things like that. And I think that's a win for Cleveland. If you look at the off court aspect, but the encore impact of it as well is, I like you said, the, the move for Phoenix was to go get Kevin Durant. Um, I was kind of in the ether since last summer that it could be a possibility just to team up with then Chris Paul and Devin Booker and maybe DeAndre Ayton, but the Nets had no interest in Ayton at the time, but neither here nor there. Um, I personally like this move for the Suns. I just think they are so limited going forward asset wise too that if this doesn't work, they're screwed because a lot of people aren't going to want, want to help them or two are going to be willing to take on, like, let's say Bradley Beal, just like this trade ends up being a bust for the Suns just because of we the concerns. Also, he, he, he keeps his no trade clause. Yeah, he, that's, he still that's has his no is, trade clause. He keeps his no trade clause. So like he can flat out just again, we could see this again if it doesn't work. And the Suns like we need to move him to get something. No team's going to feel inclined to give up a lot for a dude who has a no trade clause because, again, it's such a pariah in this league that they exist still. Um, and it's it's the health concerns. It's the contract. It's so many things. And like Phoenix is just so limited going forward. Whereas you look at Cleveland. Yeah, they don't have a lot of draft picks because of the Donovan Mitchell trade. They don't have their draft pick this year because of the Karis LeVert trade last year. Um, but they do have second rounders still. They still have like. Jared Allen is a tradable asset for sure. Um, I would say Mobley, Mitchell, and Garland are your three untouchables. But you have some players that are a little bit more cost-effective and maybe a little bit more liquid in terms of being an asset, whereas the Suns are kind of locked into what they have. And you're really, 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 really tempting fate now because, like, yeah, Frank Vogel's a great coach, great defensive mind. It's just, like, how far can this team go with how limited, like, their roster can be or is currently? Mitchell's also like a top 10 offensive player and Beal is like a top like 30 offensive player. Like I think there is a chasm between those two I guys. Agree. It's so there's that. And yeah, I like, I like Brad Beal, but like there's, there's levels and nuance to this and Brad Beal, it just feels like he hasn't done a ton since he, John Wall left the wizards and the wizards kind of entered this weird cycle of trying to build around them and nothing's really happened. He's not, he's not a, a needle mover, if you will. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Grocery school shopping and getting a little something for yourself or any of us, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it? You can do that with Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trick. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. 
either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can cash back. It is that easy. The average Abadi user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use that cash back to pay for some of that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out your bank account, PayPal, gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta. That includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED to get five bucks. want to remind you that we have a big Locked on NBA draft down now. Locked on NBA mock draft special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Lockton can deliver. No calf stuff because uh, they don't have picks, but all episodes are available now on Lockton and be big board on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Evan, let's move on to draft week. Mm-hmm. Some storylines we're looking out for. I, I think here's what I'll say. I think with this Beal trade, I think a lot of the attention now goes to Dame, what Portland does at three. I also think from a Cleveland perspective, I, it still feels like to me, they would need to be in a position to wait for something else to happen that they can maybe get involved in to do something. There is very little out there as far as what the Cavs might do. There's the reporting that they're looking to get a pick in the 20s and 30s, as is Phoenix. If they could do that, that would be something for us to talk about come draft night if they can pull that off. But that that's really the most salacious rumor if we can even call it salacious that that we have with the cleveland cavaliers right now yeah that's a it's a it's a compelling argument i think people point out like the christian christian braun situation in denver who we we touched on that last week like wasn't obviously the most impactful player for the nuggets but they gave he gave them a respectful 13 to 15 minutes in the playoffs at least in the nba finals rather like per game and wasn't like a total liability out there for denver which did play at least a small part in them winning a championship. And I'm not saying like, let's say it's been reported that Houston's looking to ship their or trade their additional second round pick. That's in their first round pick rather that's in the twenties. Maybe Cleveland's able to find a way to kind of grease the wheels on that transaction to acquire that draft pick. But for now, as you said, they are looking at a second round selection and this is going to be a guy who likely won't make like an immediate contribution for Cleveland in the second round. And it'll be a guy that they sign a two way, uh, develop with the charge and hope that he becomes a meaningful player possibly next year at the earliest. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, like you said, there's going to be a lot of attention on Damian Lillard going forward. Zion Williamson as well. Maybe Brandon Ingram too, depending on what the Pelicans do, if they are serious about trading up for Scoot Henderson. But the Dame stuff just feels like um, a kid learning how to drive for the first time. There's a ton of mixed signals and it could turn <laughs> it just could turn into a lot of nothing. Um, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see because there's like one camp saying like, oh, Dame Lillard is going to decide his future going forward. Or there's a lot of other people saying like, oh, no, he's staying in Portland wants to trade the third and 23rd pick to build around Dame. Like there's so just many so much noise in the atmosphere and we won't really know until the draft happens on Thursday. But it's only going to get louder and louder between now and then. And um, we'll see. I, I, I don't or at least I can't think of like a realistic trade. Maybe Cleveland 
finds a way to send Jetty Osmond to Houston and Houston then just doesn't guarantee his contract because he has one year left on his deal, right? Um, Who? Jetty? Yeah. yeah. So, Jetty just has the one year non-guaranteed of like $6.7 million. So, yeah. If like the, let's say the Cavs just did that, like they use Jetty Osmond's non-guaranteed or part, yep, non-guaranteed ch- contract to uh, acquire that second first round pick from the Rockets because the Rockets are possibly going big name hunting this summer to get James Harden and build around uh, just that nucleus with Harden and maybe the young players they jettison to acquire other stars players as well. So maybe that's something to think of. But other than that, like realistically, I just don't know what the Cavs can like give up to um, or at least use as like a trade asset to acquire a first round pick. So I'm thinking, yeah, maybe a trade happens. I feel like it doesn't. And the Cavs are very content uh, with their situation and now have to look at like, okay, what does free agency have to offer us? Because the market could be a little bit more different now because of this Bradley Beal trade, or maybe the Blazers do trade Dame somewhere else. And like the Blazers start tearing things down elsewhere. Like this, some teams could kind of have some available dudes who want to move on to a winning situation. And the Cavs could be somewhat attractive because they do have some star power on their team. I'm going to be, on the side of fun, Evan, and I'm going to say the Cavs do get a pick in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Late 20s, early 30s, come Thursday. I, I think it's in their interest to do so. I, I, I do think too. But... Even if, even if there's someone now with the ceiling of it, like, so if we want to, we'll talk about Kobe Allman's draft record in segment three. The reason they go get the Kevin Porter Jr. pick the year they did is because KPJ has had this really high ceiling with some off-court stuff, and obviously that is why he leaves Cleveland. Ultimately, some things that happened here you can go read about that. We're not going to really to get any of that. It's not fair to KPJ. It's not fair to the Cavs. They did that because KPJ had the ceiling, mm-hmm. and it was like we love this guy. He's high on our board. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna ro- roll the dice now. We're gonna spend the money to do it. I think even if if you're not chasing the upside of someone at thirty, I think the money you could spend on a pick to functionally buy a pick and mm-hmm. how that looks, I think you should do it. I, I think it is in your interest as a franchise to get someone in like that right now, and I. I, there's some options. It seems like there are a lot of NBA, quote-unquote, NBA-ready wings, late 20s, early 30s. Are those ever locks? No, mm-hmm. because that's not how the draft works. But I, I think they should do it. And I think if they can keep their second-round pick this year, too, that would also not be a bad thing. Look at what Denver has done and what they're going to do in this draft. They made a trade in the freaking finals to have two picks in the top 40 this year to get some cost-controlled work in and go all in. I don't think the Cavs maybe have the impetus or the pressure or trying to defend a title pressure yeah. that Denver has, but they have pressure to win right now. And I think it would be in their interest to kind of think presently and not take what is in front of them for granted, both in the draft and for agency. But for the purposes of this week, go get a pick. If you can get one and there's a deal and obviously we'll see if that happens and maybe able to say there just wasn't one, but if the opportunity presents itself, I think it would really behoove them to chase that. I agree with you. Um, I think you could take maybe a little bit of column A, column B, a guy who could be more NBA ready and, perhaps could be available in like that mid to late 20s early 30s range Heck, even maybe like the early-ish 20s like 21 through 24 as well maybe they look at keegan murray's twin brother chris murray out of iowa who's a junior i would yeah absolutely like he's give a the, three give, give i would get i would give that an a i would just give that an a if they pulled that yeah off. like that he's a three four type player he has a catch and shoot game he's a pretty solid defensive player to begin with he's really good off ball especially like i've been watching a lot of his film and i'm like yeah, if the Cavs are able to swing a trade to get back into that back end of the first round and Chris Murray happens to be avail- available, like, yeah, I think you sink your claws into him and don't let go because he perhaps he doesn't start for you, but he certainly makes sense as a rotation guy because 
he checks a lot of the boxes of clear cut needs that this Cavs team has uh, just heading into this up the 2023-24 uh, season. And yeah, it doesn't answer everything, but it certainly makes your approach, whether it's free agency or anything else, just a little bit more easier just because, again, the market's not great and it's still going to be competitive no matter what. And you, yeah, like I, I agree. If you're able to buy a first round pick and maybe it costs you like a player or something along the way just to kind of make the deal happen and you get cost controlled depth, especially one that's probably the most NBA ready at the back end of the first round in Murray. Like, yeah, you you go for that. But we'll also see how the draft shakes shakes out, too, just because outside of one, um, it's a bit of a crapshoot because it could be. Brad Miller, Scoot Henderson at two, and then the other one at three, perhaps, or maybe one of the Thompson twins at two, three, four, or five. Like, there's so much fluidity outside of the first overall pick uh, with Victor Vimignana that it's going to be a little bit chaotic. And again, like you said, if the Cavs are able to like maybe buy or trade back into the first round, like there's a it, there could be a good or at least decent chance to make a run on wings at that spot. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is really easy and super fun to play. You, all you got to do is pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, you win. You can win up to ten times your up to twenty five times your money on any entry. So competing against other people, it is just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals and are currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Um, we're not Canada's doing after we beat him in the Nations League, though. Just saying. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter our promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Evan, let's talk about Kobe Altman's draft record. Sure. Takes over in 2018. That obviously was a nebulous time. If we go back and, and remember that, which is five years ago at this point, which makes me feel older than I already <laughs> did. That was the, the that was the month where he was kind of the shadow GM, so to speak, because they were trying to get Chauncey Billups to take over as president of basketball operations. That pick that year becomes Colin Sexton. 2018. That's obviously the summer LeBron leaves as well. You get to 2019. Darius Garland goes fifth. Dylan Windler goes 26, famously, infamously. Shams had a tweet that they were going to take Keldon Johnson. Wait. Get to the they take Dylan Windler. Wasn't what? Kobe GM when they selected Colin? That's what I said. Oh, okay. I don't think he was hired officially yet, though. I, I think that was after the draft. I don't remember. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll think. I don't think he was. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Correct me and look it up. And then in 2019, at the end of the first run, they obviously buy a pick from the Pistons. They get KPJ. Isaac Okoro is their one pick in 2020. In 2021, their one pick is Evan Mobley. And then last year, they take Ochai Abaji at 14, Khalifa Jop at 39, Isaiah Mobley at 49, and then Luke Travers at 56. Abaji now with Utah, Jop overseas, Travers overseas. Mobley was on a two-way deal last year. I and mean, here, here's what I would posit about Kobe Altman's draft so, record. Pause real quick. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Kobe's the one who negotiated the Kyrie trade to Boston. So that's the pick that became Colin. Why am I thinking? Whatever. Regardless, I was wrong. No, you're good. It doesn't matter. I I thought like, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, Kobe was not, he wasn't president of basketball operations, but he was GM at the time. Was that the summer before? Regardless, time flat circle. Mm. My bad. I was wrong. Kobe Allman has nailed two picks. Garland and Mobley. The Mobley one, pretty easy just to take Mobley at three when Green and Kidd are off the board. The Garland one, I think he deserves credit more credit for because I think idiots like me would have been like, oh, uh, would have been like a Jer Culver. But it it is interesting to see how, like, I think Colin's a good player. I think you go down the list. It's like a little, like the Windler pick is a miss. The KBJ pick goes down as a miss. Like it is, there's like three kind of actually good players I think he has picked so far since 2018. He also hasn't had a lot of picks because they traded a lot of future picks during that LeBron era, which is how you don't have second rounders in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, it's so I talked about maybe doing like a hit miss or meh situation. And as you said, um, the Colin Sexton pick, at least with the power of hindsight, uh, within the moment, you're like, yeah, this makes sense. At least he's playing really well. He's playing better than at least what historically the eighth overall pick has produced at. But you guys have like you have guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander who did tell the Cavs not to draft him outright, um, or he refused to work out from him. I don't remember the full story, but I just know he said told no to Cleveland. And you have him, or maybe Mikhail Bridges, who is not like a superstar player, but he's certainly a position to need for any team, and he could fit in so cleanly with what the Cavs have built currently, just because of how glaring the need is at the three spot right now. And I agree with you. Like you look ahead to the next year's draft, you have um, Darius Garland, which with the power of hindsight, because Colin Sexton's on the roster. And then at least I wasn't fully sure what the direction of this rebuild was going to be for Cleveland, because that was the John Bayline year as well. Like when they drafted Darius Garland, Dylan Windler and KPJ. And again, with the power of hindsight, like Dylan Windler, maybe you, probably shouldn't take him at 26 overall you probably stick with the johnson pick that shams incorrectly first reported and like that's like a what if moment sometimes i think about and the kpj acquisition that was four second round picks in cash which is you know the best player in nba history in terms of just like being moved like i think they own every jersey at this point but um it's uh it was a smart move at least because it was a guy that there was much higher in the draft board than kevin porter jr um perhaps like they're like okay he's available here at the end of the first round they structured his contract a lot more uniquely at least in terms of like a first round pick and it's just like there's a lot of guarantees and it wasn't really like super loaded to begin his rookie scale contract just to make sure like the Cavs like if okay kpj doesn't if he burns us anyway he's either a movable asset or it's easier for us to cut him or just get rid of him in general so I think that was good. The Evan, it's good to an extent. Like he's not with the team anymore. Uh, he signed an extension with Houston, but like who knows that his long term future is at the Rockets. But he has an, he has an NFL contract. Yeah, he's an NFL contract. That's a good way to put it. And so I and again, I'm not gonna count someone's pocketbook. Listen, the Rock locked on Rockets. If you want to know more about the state of Kevin Porter Jr. and just what the Rockets are gonna do this summer. Um, and then looking ahead, you have the Isaac Okoro pick, and they think this one is a bit of a whiff if you're the Cavs. Um, like, because I know Tyrese Halliburton also wasn't going to work out for Cleveland because I actually asked him because it was during like the COVID draft. Um, 
like, hey, are you going to work out for the Cavs? He's like, no, they have two guards on their team and Darius Garland and um, Colin Sexton. Why would I work out for a team or I'm not going to play? Like you look at the Okoro pick and then you have Devin Vassell, who I think was a guy I was already really high on, but he's going to be really, really good for the Spurs. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of just not great players throughout this pool, but like Halliburton and Vassell with Vassell going 11 and Halliburton going 12 are like the kind of the two that stick out to me. Maybe Denny Avia as well, just because he could be a bit of a different player too, depending on again, what the Wizards do or how much play time he gets. But yeah, then you look ahead to next year, like Evan Mobley, that's the best player from this draft class. Darius Garland is also, that's the take I was going to have as the best player from his draft class. Like that was the right call. Maybe Kobe's just very good at drafting in, well, yeah, an odd number of years. Like maybe the Khalifa's yacht pick and the Luke Travers pick end up being something worthwhile. And perhaps um, Isaiah Mobley ends up being like a rotational depth piece for the Cavs as well. But Ochai Abaji, at least, maybe that was just enough for the Jazz to agree to the trade with. Um, Cleveland to acquire for the Cavs to acquire Donovan Mitchell, but Ochai Avaji had some pretty interesting summer league moments for Cleveland, but he was part of the package for the Cavs to get their most noteworthy player since LeBron James. So, hey, you get a you get a you get an A minus for that one. Were, uh, you sh- that's in that's in an attendance credit for like an entry level college class. Let's hit the let's just go year by year and say yeah good, yeah just yeah or nay. Let's be definitive about picks. Sexton, I'm going to say that that's yeah, obviously in a different situation now, but that that was a, that ultimately he's a good NBA player. That's a good pick. Yes, um, yeah, that's he's a good NBA player. I know there's the power of hindsight, like I said, but like yeah, he's a good NBA player. Like especially just historically, because the eighth pick isn't great. Yeah, it's not a great pick. Uh, Darius Garland, that's a yay. That's a two thumbs up. Yay, that's the best player in this draft class. Yay. Depending on how you feel about uh, John Morant, I mean John on the court, but like the off the court stuff that comes with it, kind of gives him a little baggage. And like Zion is never available. Then you have RJ, and then um, DeAndre Hunter, who is also good, but I just don't think he's as good as Darius Garland. No, uh, yeah, then Josh stuff and Zion's so it's complicated. All right, uh, Dylan Windler, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. That's an F minus, especially because yeah, the Kelton Johnson, what if? Um, when was um, Brandon Clark picked? Was he before Winler was available? Uh, I believe okay, so. So, like, yeah, Brandon Clark was the guy I always think of, too. I was like, hey, if he was available, if I were the Cavs, I would have grabbed him, despite, like, Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond being on the roster at the time. Yeah, Clark went 21. Grant right. Williams went 22. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Evan, like, do you know who went one? Do you know Do you know what Cavs legend went one pick after Dylan Winley? Andrew Kevin Gailey, because I, I looked at the draft records. But, like, yeah, Kevin Gailey went one pick after. Jordan Poole's an interesting one. It, it may not have worked out just because Cleveland was rebuilding and Poole benefited from playing with, you know, the Golden State Warriors. But that is, like, an interesting one. Maybe Claxton as well, because he went 31st. Like, he is... I'm going to be a pretty Claxton's. Yeah, I would prefer Claxton over Jordan Bull at even, this point in time. Um, KPJ, two thumbs down. I give it like the gladiator halfway thumb because KPJ, again, you could see the potential, you could see the vision. I don't still don't know what he's going to be as a player, but um, I think we kind of know. I think we kind of know. I, I think we kind of I'll be fully clear with everyone. I did not watch a second of Rockets basketball unless I played the Cavs because they're dreadful this last season. Um, but the KPJ pick, I mean, gosh, we could maybe like try and find the common thread of the picks they gave up to acquire him and what those players became, I guess. But 
there's always that hypothetical. But like I, I was like, eh, it's you know, for the 30th overall pick, you had a guy who it could be a solid six man. He's a bigger one, two, three type player and like kind of fit the bill of like maybe what the Cavs kind of need at times uh, on the court at the three spot right now. And I don't know. I, I, I'm just like in between on it. Like, yeah, it's the 30th overall pick and it ended up being a hit like that rarely happens for that point in the draft. And it worked out. Do you know who went 55th overall in that draft? No. Uh, Cleveland charge legend, Kyle Guy. That's cool. Isaac Okoro. <laughs> so, all right, uh, man. Cool. Like he's the Kyle guy. Like he's fine. Like I, legend feels like a stretch. Broke. Yeah, I guess so. Go ahead. That's just that's a stretch. The the, the real Cleveland Charge legend slash can charge legend that like played guard is Quinn Cook because he won an NBA championship Fair. and like was awesome in the G League for a couple of years. That's the real franchise Fair. legend. Uh, I'm gonna I'm, look. I'm gonna just remain on Okoro Island and just give it a thumbs up and just kind of laugh about it even though like i would feel i feel uh not super confident in that at this current moment and i don't think the Cavs is super confident in that at this current moment and you would certainly rather have like devin vassell right now yeah devin vassell is your preference just in terms of pure fit um a Kongwu is a player that still intrigues the heck out of me um i think he's going to be pretty good when he takes over as the starting center for the hawks whenever they move on from Clint capella but other than that like the field is so like the 2020 draft was such a dip compared to 2019 in terms of just like top end talent or just talent in general like pat williams probably not going to pan out as an nba player at least not like what the Bulls expected um but like a coral i'm indifferent on just because like there's devin vassell i know tyrese halliburton said no but like halliburton would make a ton of sense with the Cavs, at least what they're building and, and my draft process has kind of always been like you take the best player available and um yeah and that just wasn't the case in this one so Mobley, yeah, yep. A plus thumbs plus up. two thumbs up again. Kobe Altman may be just good dra- at drafting. And I'll say it this way: the top five of odd number drafts, he's doing all right so far. And then here's 2020 Abaji. I'm gonna give a thumbs up. I liked a lot of what I saw at the end of the year with Utah. Jop, no idea. Isaiah Mobley, I don't think we really have an idea yet. I think we're gonna find out this summer what the Cavs think about mm. him and Luke Travers. I don't know. So that's th- that's. One guy who I think is a thumbs up who you traded for Mitchell. So, yeah, that's that's worth it. And then three guys I don't think we have actual answers on. Yet. That's yeah, that's that's the best way to look at it. It's just like uh, Jop's the more NBA ready prospect, according to Kobe Altman. But we'll see how they yeah, like you said, how they feel about Isaiah Mobley going forward as a player. Uh, if they sign him to a deal or maybe they kind of finesse this instruction a little bit more and sign him to another two way contract. But just with how much depth the Cavs may need, maybe Mobley, uh does end up being more of a permanent member of the team yeah all right let's end there i'm chris manning that's evan Darrell. thanks again to jake stevens for his production back at you tomorrow with more lockdown casts